0: Welcome back. It's Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital. Welcome to an edition of Medically Speaking. I apologize. I was supposed to be here a couple of weeks ago, and Johnny had to jump in and play a best of for me because my husband threw me a curveball. We ended up in the emergency room, and I thought I was going to be able to get out soon enough, but my husband had other plans for me, unfortunately. He's doing well now, much better, so I'll give him a shout-out because he better be listening. Uh, he had a terrible case of cellulitis in his leg from an infected toenail. I'm sharing, HIPAA HIPAA, but I can do that. I'm his wife, so I can I can share that. So anybody out there that has any issues with an ingrown toenail, make sure you take care of them because you can get a raging cellulitis from that, which has not proved to be a lot of fun for us. But he's definitely doing much better. And again, I apologize for the interruption of the show. But I have with me tonight the physician who so graciously decided to come back on with me. He was supposed to do the show with me two weeks ago and, and was so easy for me to move around and I'm gonna I'm gonna do do your name the best justice I can, Doc. I'm gonna give it a shot. Say it's Doctor Bodhan Warshaw. We're pretty close, pretty close. close. go yeah, ahead give f- it to him first
1: name it's actually bowden bowden, bowden. Yeah. oh that's um, easier
0: than body i think i may have to correct
1: the uh the spelling you better, correct, the, yeah, that's, that's, that's you better that. correct that that's your
0: website you better correct that <laughs> you better correct your website this is from your website <laughs> well, you pulled this off the website yeah this yeah. is your website you better call oh, wow. terry and tell her so bowden now how do you say your last name again warisha, yeah. warisha. perfect so when i met doc I said to him, okay, so where are you from? I think it's really neat because you went to school. You you grew up in the Bronx, right? Or Brooklyn? uh,
1: Originally from the Bronx. Uh, I grew up in lower Westchester, Yonkers, and uh, went to school at uh, Ross University, School of Medicine and did a lot of my training in the in the New York area, mostly in uh, Queens and Brooklyn.
0: So, you know, when I when I met you and I thought to myself, this guy is from the city. <laughs> this guy is from the city, and you are a pain specialist. That's right. And you're with uh, Dr. Patel at Interventional Spine, Spine and Sport Sports. Medicine. Correct. So, you know, we are very good friends with Dr. Patel. He's been on here, you know, quite a few times. He is definitely a St. Mary's uh, community provider that we love having on the show. So when he told me that you were joining, we so really wanted to get you on because it's a great practice, number one. And number two, pain medicine is one of those things that I don't think we can ever not talk enough about. You know, there's just true, so much true. information. On it, and I think it's one of the branches of medicine that is a little bit confusing to the audience out there when they use it and how they use it and what's appropriate. But before we go down that road, you, know, you talked about how you went to school to do your medicine, your medical school at Ross University. What made you go into this field? Why pain management? What drives someone down? Well, uh,
1: that road? Just just to even back it up before that, um, my uh the residency program that i did training was in physiatry physical medicine right. and rehabilitation and it's it's a pretty broad field there's a lot of avenues that you can pursue with that um you can go into rehab medicine uh, stroke rehab you can go into cardiac mm-hmm. rehab these kinds of fields there's also uh you know specialties for sports medicine and for us also we do uh, pain medicine mm-hmm. um there's non-interventional and also interventional pain medicine, or you could do a combination of of the the two fields. Um, We also have a little bit of sports medicine um, incorporated into the practice here.
0: We talked about because a lot of the times when I when I have Dr. Patel on or, or someone else from the group, we talk a lot about sports medicine. And when I sat down with you a few weeks back, we talked about that. And you said something interesting interesting to me, which is an area of sports, I mean, a pain management that I thought would be unique to talk about. You did a lot of your initial um, care for patients down in Florida, right? That's correct. That's a very different population.
1: That's correct, Robin. Uh, w- when I finished uh, training, uh, was back in 2009. Um, I was looking for opportunities for work, and uh, an interesting and uh, opportunity had presented itself down in the uh, the North Florida area. So. Florida is
0: not such a bad place to go to <laughs> for a while either.
1: <laughs> but uh, it was it was uh, very. Um, Diverse and also uh, kind of geared towards more an elderly population. Yeah. You know, it's uh, there's uh, there's a large retirement community down there, um, and, and for the last several years, probably six, seven plus years, I've been dealing with uh, patients with a lot of chronic pain um, yeah. from the elderly uh, population.
0: What do you look? So you know, what's a typical patient that you saw down there? You know, when we think of pain management, I think around here, particularly. If it's not sports medicine or sports medicine related, it's usually someone with a chronic back problem or, you know, Correct. even a younger person. But, you know, when we say pain management, it encompasses so much. And especially if I think of an elderly population, it's not just their backs,
1: true true. Um, majority of, of what we saw were were the backs yep. you know the back pain the 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 sciaticas yeah. into the leg into both legs the radiculopathies as we call them uh, fancy name for a sciatica um, we dealt with neck pain we dealt with uh, you know osteoporotic fractures yeah. in the spine all, all sorts of um, arthritic uh, issues with hips knees shoulders mobility issues uh, uh, things of that nature, headaches as well. Really? Yeah. Um, it, it was quite quite. A, yeah, it's quite it's a
0: varied. Time. It's definitely varied because there's so much generalized pain as we get older. You know, True. where there is so much generalized pain, and you don't know where it's coming from. So when when you when you worked with that population down in Florida, when someone presented themselves, what was the typical um, first appointment for that patient? Do you examine them head to toe? Abso- What's that
1: absolutely, tip- absolutely. Um, You know, for for us being physiatrists and and pain specialists, um, one of the things that we really hone in on is try to see the patient, take their history, listen to what they're telling you, uh, do a thorough exam, um, look at their back, test their their extremity function, mm. test their, uh, their strength, their sensations, their reflexes, all these things. Um, what are appropriate tests when indicated, when necessary? Um, and really try to hone in on a, a diagnosis, preferably one diagnosis. Sometimes we, as doctors, uh, have to unfortunately settle for a secondary right. diagnosis, right. but we try to limit it to one. And then uh, uh, treat, treat that, and whether that's going to be with conservative therapies, physical therapy, chiropractic treatments, or um, a combination of that, possibly and injection therapy, um, which is certainly a big, a big portion there. And the goal, the goal ultimately would be to, for the best that we can, is to restore the patient's uh, function, functional status. Right.
0: Without having to do surgery if you don't have to. Correct, correct. Right. Because put, especially the older population, put, putting someone under anesthesia is always scary. It's, it's, so you try those other methods, right? It
1: certainly has its risks, absolutely. And when all methods are exhausted and the patient's minimally improved or no better at all, then, you know, unfortunately we have to uh, uh, suggest or consult the surgeons, and right. we need them.
0: And it's really tough because when you look at that population and you look at the quality of life, You're looking at what is the quality? What's their qual? What was their quality before? Mm -hmm. They're an older person. What was that quality? How compromised were they? And what's my ultimate goal? How far should I be getting them? Right?
1: Correct. And one of the assessments that we go through is also can what what is their baseline function before they came to see Mm. us before this injury or this event happened? Um, Is it is it achievable? Can we get back there Um, with with all the techniques that we have in our 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 toolbox, our armamentarium? Um, That's definitely the the path that we we choose yeah definitely uh, with these folks
0: so an elderly or you know that older population comes into you I don't want to say elderly because I feel like I'm the older population too (laughs) so the older population comes into you and they are complaining about um, low back pain Mm -hmm. so what's the first thing you do
1: uh, well, again, we'll uh, we'll start off with uh, a history. We'll ask right. him when the pain started. How did it start? Was it associated with uh, some sort of a trauma, a fall? Did it was it insidious? Did it just kind of gradually start one day and got worse and worse and worse over the coming days and weeks. Uh,
0: sometimes which, you can't explain it because sometimes you've had back pain I, your whole life. It comes and goes and you just don't.
1: I've, I've had those patients too. Yeah. They just, they tell me they woke up with it one day. They have yeah. no clue where it came right. from, how it started. They've never had it before. Um, we'll ask them about the severity of the pain. Is it, is it worse in the morning? Is it worse in the evening time? Is it worse with activities? Are there things that you can can't do anymore uh, walking standing for a long period of time uh, you know uh, chores in the house mm-hmm. um, playing golf right whatever, whatever because especially
0: like that do. population down in Florida they do play sports
1: <laughs> they do play sports they, they do their tennis
0: usually tennis and golf right yeah, or big, yeah,
1: t- the big especially ones. Uh, the golf I mean it's it's nice for them they're out there they can walk their uh, walk their uh, well their it's courses good absolutely it's eight good exercise
0: but absolutely. you know you just want to make sure you can keep them in that swinging mode
1: <laughs> absolutely
0: so When you Mm -hmm. do this initial assessment on them, what is usually your first... Course of treatment. Do you do imaging first? Do you is that something you do, or, yeah, I, or do you th- do neuro tests to check?
1: I think at, at baseline, it's it's always worthwhile just to get some basic imaging, yeah. whether it's just a simple X-ray, an AP, lateral, oblique X-ray to see if there's any instability in the mm. spine, has the patient sustained any possible fractures? I mean, right. some of these folks are, as I said earlier, are yeah, osteoporotic and mm. they're susceptible to fractures, even with you know minimal trauma sometimes. Right. Um, and uh, once that's done, we, uh, we may need to do further work up with electrodiagnostic test uh, EMGs. Um, well,
0: what's an EMG? Just for the audience,
1: EMG is it's basically it's a nerve test for for us, um, and it helps us to determine if there is an entrapped nerve in the back, in the leg, right. whether it's in the neck or in the arm, whether it's uh, sort of uh, at the at the neuroforamen, okay, at, at where it exits from the spine, or is it more distally, sort of at the wrist, mm-hmm. like a carpal tunnel problem, or in the uh, in the leg, like a, an entrapped nerve, like the peroneal neuropathy, um, and sure. that helps us to sort of uh, uh, dictate treatment down the road too and be more specific about it
0: when you identify the area and you identify maybe this patient will do well with some physical therapy before you go any further what's the typical physical therapy plan that you would give e- any population with um, a with a back strain
1: with a back strain Typically, what we do is uh, we really want to preserve range of motion, Mm. and a lot of times, folks with an acute back injury can't do that. Um, For the first day or two or three, we we probably will suggest rest therapy, and then uh, after that's kind of said and done, we really want to get them into therapy to to sort of maintain their mobilities uh, at, at. uh, with in terms of flexion extension, bending maneuvers, mm. um, with ongoing back pain, we can add to that uh, heat and cold therapies. I was gonna
0: ask you that, that mm-hmm. I was just it's funny you just said that because that is the toughest question I get. In regards to back pain, what do I put on first? My kids will ask me, heat or ice. I yeah, said whichever t- one feels better.
1: <laughs> True, but typically for acute problems, we, we we try to use more ice therapy. Right, and,
0: because uh, of the inflammation. Yeah, exactly. Right, it's and I've said that to my son and daughter, and they think I'm crazy. I said, No, not at all. Not ice at all. is for the inflammation. Then you it use does. heat to relax.
1: And then and then to, to mobilize the patient a little bit better, that's where we uh, we start incorporating the heat therapies. Um, and
0: I can it, tell you, I've hurt I've strained my back only once, <laughs> and it was. Was last year and the heating pan was much nicer than so the much, ice
1: absolutely especially it in the just winter.
0: relaxed it
1: especially in the winter time ice is too. tough it is it is but it, it does it's it's it does its job when 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 necessary so when You're it's
0: ready. acute what would that be like a 48-hour period from the inner yeah, injury sure, about that sure. long
1: yeah 48 hours 72 hours um and then we try to in- incorporate other modalities there are other things like uh, electrical stimulation like a tens unit may be a value for patients with uh, acute back pain as well to
0: well like when you go to the physical therapist and they put the little ultrasound the thing two on. pads on mm. that's wonderful <laughs> That's what I've never had. I, first time I had it was last year It was the most wonderful thing. I was like, oh, my God, what have I been missing? But it really does work. It does. It but does work. what I have found, and I don't know if you share that. I'm sure you share this with your patients when they give you exercises. You really have to do them.
1: True, and I tell this to my patients too. When, when you're going to see a therapist or a chiropractor, whichever it may be, um, they're only going to be able to treat you for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, mm-hmm. all right. And what you do after that, it's 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 up to you. I mean, you, you have you, to you, do you, it. You got to do your home exercises. You know, you got to continue your stretching, your strengthening programs, and and do them a couple times a day. Um, And that's really the the only way that there's going to be a progression of improvement.
0: And we get really good at them. And when you start to feel really well, then you think you're done. But really, you should be doing them all the exactly, time. Once yeah. you do and that, ultimately, right? Ultimately,
1: once you're better, it, the goal is also for prevention of re-injury. Um, so, it, you know, that incorporates uh, continued home exercises. It, right. it may not be, uh, you know, multiple times a day, but at least at least fairly often, um, and just being careful with uh, any heavy liftings or whatever potentially had uh, caused the accident to begin with.
0: You know, a lot of what we talk about is the muscle st- strain but you know as we talk about that osteoporotic population mm-hmm. that's scary because those are the ones where they get the compression right where where it's True. more difficult yeah. to relieve that. So how do you how do you manipulate a treatment plan for them?
1: Uh these these are challenging cases um with with these folks uh a lot of times we can even uh start bracing them too right if the fractures are severe enough that uh their pain is just really exquisite and the bracing will help stabilize the trunk and uh sort of take pressure off the back and allow time for healing and uh it's also sort of a kinesthetic reminder for the patient too so that they won't Throw their back out in various uh, maneuvers,
0: right? Because it's a reminder.
1: Exactly, right? It's exactly. a
0: reminder. When do you feel you need to intervene with pain, with with pain management or injections? With pain management? Yeah. When um, when do, when, do you, when does the red flag go up and say we've done enough?
1: Most times, we'll try to give the patient a fair shot at therapies. Maybe three or four weeks, um, which
0: they—I'm sure—they don't want to do because that's tough. Yeah,
1: the, the ones who really want to get better. And if all... my
0: father-in-law is listening, <laughs> he was one of those.
1: But we'll we'll give them a fair shot at, at right. some conservative treatments. We may introduce anti-inflammatory medications and muscle relaxers at the same time. Um, We'll we'll try to hold off on opioids, you know, yeah. unless there's really
0: whenever you can hold off.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely,
0: whenever there's, you can there, hold there's, off.
1: There's risks and benefits associated mm. with that as well, so we'll we'll try to keep that to a bare minimum and only when necessary.
0: Right, you know, uh, for the the amount of times I've had pain management on here, the topic of the conversation is really pain management is so much more than what the word to some people mean in pain management pain management is just so much more you you guys do so much therapeutic treatment that you know i kind of keep the medication aspect it's it's, in in a locked um, narcotics cabinet and 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 truly where it should be as best you can
1: absolutely it's one whole separate topic quite frankly that's within uh the the field of pain medicine
0: right there's a lot of
1: other uh, options but and
0: modalities there's so much more that you do mm-hmm. and so much more you've learned in your in your level of study that can help a patient to get better and then guide them down the right path if you know if the interventions you're doing aren't w- what's in the best interest of the patient
1: true correct
0: you know, but you guys work side by side with so many different health specialists to help you guide you down that path, right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're, we're working closely with our orthopedic doctors, mm-hmm. our our, uh, our spine surgeons, our neurosurgeons. Right. Uh, we have uh, a host of um, you know internal medicine doctors and geriatricians that we're uh, in contact with, so that we can uh, work in in, uh, in cooperation and hopefully uh, help it's some so of these important. patients. Uh, put them on the right path to recovery
0: you know it's funny because when we were when we came here earlier tonight where we i was telling you how we at st mary's went on a new electronic health record and electronic health records are great but i think in what they've done to medicine sometimes is prevent the ability for physician to communicate to physician right but we really do st- still do that at many levels. I don't think the patient sees it as much, but I think we still do it.
1: We do, we do, and uh, one of the things that we really strive for in, in our practice here is to uh, sort of spend a, as much time as possible with the patient, mm-hmm. you know, talking with them, listening to their history. Um, Letting them know, uh, uh, tell, having them tell us about their pain and where is it, how severe is it, um, and then spending some time to do a physical exam so that we can really assess them well. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, there are times when we have to sit there and type a note out or, or do a dictation, but uh, we'll try to do that, uh, you know, um, on our own when the patient's been evaluated. It's
0: so hard, right? It's,
1: it's difficult because it you need, you need so references. Hard. You want to look yeah, up an you look or an X-ray up- or something to to, to go by.
0: I'll tell you, your office is so accessible too. And I know all I have to do is call Terry, your practice manager. Oh, Dr. Patel's here today. Come on down and talk to him. You know, and he'll stop everything he's doing. But I see all of you do that for your patients and for the, you know, and for myself as a healthcare professional, it's amazing. You know, it's, it really is.
1: Yeah, we, we really try to keep uh, a, a handful of appo- appointment slots open f- right. so that, you know, there there are last minute uh, patients who... We
0: have a call. Look at that. We have a call. All right. Now you got to put your headphones okay. on, Doc. Hi, this is Robin. You have a question for Doc?
2: Yes. Hi, Robin. This is Jeff from Talk. Hi. I have a, I have a question for, for Doc in reference to spinal stenosis and the um some of the treatments and uh pain management techniques that are used for that
1: hey there how are you uh good, good good question um spinal stenosis it's um it's it's an interesting diagnosis there are a lot of things can cause stenosis. When we're looking at the back, there is not only a central canal where, where nerves live, there is also foramen where they exit to go down into the legs. And stenosis can happen centrally. It can happen at the foramen. It can happen at what's also called a recess. Uh, there are different, many different levels, and you know it could be on both sides. It can be on one side. Some of the treatments that we have to treat stenosis are, as Robin and I were talking about earlier, oftentimes. Sometimes we'll, we'll treat a patient fairly conservatively in the beginning, um, offering them therapies to help improve their uh, their abilities to walk, uh, stand, do all the things that they weren't able to do before. It's it's, it's almost as though we're uh, enhancing your endurance to, to uh-huh. s- stand up for a longer period of time and to have less discomfort while doing so. Uh, after, after some time has gone by, whether you're getting better or not, we, we start talking about uh, some injection therapies. And uh-huh. uh, a, a steroid injection, a corticosteroid injection, is something that we have in our toolbox to to help that happen. And it's basically a procedure where we do, uh, under x-ray guidance, we'll bring you in to either the office here or a surgery center. And using x-ray guidance, we can identify the area uh, of your lumbar spine where a previous uh, MRI or CAT scan may have found a stenosis, and introduce a needle into that area. Uh, Of course, we've numbed up the skin at that point, and introduce a needle into that area, into the epidural space, and deliver a steroid there that steroid will uh, sort of help suppress inflammation and uh, lessen the irritation of a nerve from the stenosis, from uh, an arthritic disc, a herniated disc, things of that uh-huh. nature. Um, sometimes the patient may get better. Sometimes they may need a repeat procedure depending on how they respond to that treatment. Uh, uh-huh. So it, it, it may be a situation where a patient may get 50% better or even 75% better just from a single injection. But some, some don't. Some get better by 20% and they they need to come in for a repeat injection so that we can achieve uh-huh. uh, an improved function.
2: Now, what, what if what if the, the treatment does not work? I mean, say say somebody comes to you folks and they have a situation where they get two or three epidurals or uh, the injection, say in sure. the SI joint or something like that. Then what goes on from there?
1: Well, if if a treatment doesn't work and we're still of the mindset that the stenosis is the culprit, we we can uh, consult a surgeon at that point for an opinion. Um, and you know, the surgeon may say, Yeah, this is this is the situation. This is where the stenosis is. We can we can go in there and do a, a small procedure like a, a laminotomy or a laminectomy and free up the uh, the stenotic area. Or they may come back and say, uh, Let's let's try. You know, a different kind of procedure that wasn't done yet, and see how the patient does mm-hmm. with that before we move forward with surgery. All right. Okay.
2: Now, I did, I did hear you mention, and and I apologize for repeating. Uh, oh, not at all, folks. It talked about um, a, a medication for um, muscle uh, relaxing uh, instead of just, uh, to, or, or to go along with, say, an injection or anything like that. Is is that a possibility also? Um, because. You know, I I know of a situation where someone has has the spinal stenosis, they have a situation where their gait is off terribly, and they have a situation where um, they keep complaining of the muscles being very tight and tense and things like that. So is there something in addition to the injection? that can be used to, sure, to relax sure. the muscles?
1: Yes, uh, we, we do incorporate a, uh, a handful of med- medicines to treat uh, some of these conditions. There are, are uh, if, if, for example, you have a lot of um, muscle uh, tightness and cramps, we can introduce a, a muscle relaxer, uh cyclobenzoprene, a, a or tizanidine to, to help with that. Um, uh, sometimes patients also complain of uh, paresthesias, numbness and tingling type sensations in their legs uh, as well. And we have uh, a, a host of neuropathic medications, uh, nerve medicines that can really target these nerves and alleviate some of those symptoms. Um, uh-huh. we, we have to also differentiate at times whether it's more of a, a back problem versus a leg problem. There are different modalities uh-huh. to to help treat these conditions as well um, uh-huh. and some some folks have gone on to have surgeries and they, stay, they continue to have issues uh, yeah. and depending where it is and how severe it is, you know we, we, we can incorporate other other treatments and that it, uh-huh. it may lead up to a you know a follow-up epidural injection or a medicinal treatment absolutely
2: Okay. All right, very good. Well, listen, I thank you very, very much for taking my call.
1: Thanks,
0: Jeff.
2: Oh, you're welcome, Robin.
0: Thanks for listening.
2: uh, Oh, you're entirely welcome. We try to listen to it every time you guys are on.
0: Thank you. Uh,
2: Thanks for the call, Jeff. You're you're welcome. Take care now.
0: Bye-bye. I want to make sure, too, before we take a break, that um, I give out the address and your website and the phone number, and we'll do it again at the end of the hour. So, doctor is from Interventional Spine and Sports Medicine, and their phone number is 203-598-7246. They're at 1579 uh, Straits Turnpike. Turnpike. I knew I was going to say Chase Parkway. Straits Turnpike (laughs) Turnpike in Middlebury, and um, their website is dot ctspinedoc.com. Look at that, see, off the top of my head,
2: (laughs) the top of my head. So
0: we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. We're Mm going to talk a little bit about pain management. Be right back. Welcome back. Robin Sills, Medically Speaking. Johnny did a little kokomo for us. He said he wanted to uh, give us a little summer music. So thank you, Johnny. I loved the, the little interlude there. And I want to thank our caller, Jeff, for calling in. And if you have any questions for Doc, feel free, 203-757-1320. We are here tonight with our pain specialist, and I'm going to say his first name right this time, Bowden. Perfect. But they, they have it wrong on your website.
1: We'll fix that. So
0: when you go on the website... The D and the H should be flipped, right? Just so people know. So it's not Bodhan, it's Bowdoin. doctor Bowden Bowdoin-Worishah. I said that pretty good. Worishah. Did Did it well. So Dr. Warisha is a pain specialist with Interventional Spine and Sports Medicine. They are at 1579 Straits Turnpike in Middlebury. And they're phone 203-598-7246. And it's CT Spine Doc to get their information and learn more about their physicians. So when we left, we were talking a bit about um, the care for back injuries and back ailments, and our caller asked about spinal stenosis, which is a great question because that's such a common term that you probably get all the time. And, lot, and you yeah. see in imaging studies, right, spinal Correct. stenosis. And that's a common thing that happens over the aging process, right?
1: It does. It does. Um and and it's it's important to to note as well, Robin, that despite the fact that we have X-rays and MRIs, we're we're still treating what the patient has. Yeah. You know, we, we we use imaging as guidance. Right. we we'll, 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 But we also have to listen to what the patient's telling us. What's their history? What's their exam like?
0: Listen you know, to your patient. Does does
1: do the MRI findings do the X-ray findings correlate with what they have, what they're complaining of? Right. And once once we establish that, we'll treat.
0: It's so, it's so important. You know, when I went to nursing school, we we listened to the patient. That's the first thing was patient communication, I think, was our first class that's
1: in true. school. Pa- patient already knows the diagnosis. Yeah. You just have to get it out of them.
0: You just have to really listen really well and just keep digging. And, you know, good healthcare professionals, that's what we do. Because we were... Uh, much, much older than I am from you, but we didn't have the computer (laughs) age. So we had to literally write things down and we had to really listen to every word that they said. And I think it's so important. It is. And, you know, it's, it's the most important part of medicine is just listening. Just listening.
1: It is, certainly.
0: It's definitely. So in listening to your patient, your patient complains of back pain and it's really not coming from their back. It could be coming from their hip, right? Correct. Because I know that that happened to my dad and it was he kept saying it was his back and just by the way he was walking, I could tell it was his hip. So how do you differentiate that and what is the trigger for you when you're doing that patient history?
1: Okay, uh, so a lot of times we'll, we'll see patients like that. Uh, doc, my back hurts. Mm. They come in, you're you're taking their history of course you're listening to them you're examining them you're pushing on their back they've got no tenderness on the exam they've got great range of motion in in their in their in their spine with with flexion extension Mm. bending to the sides Uh, you start working your way down and you're looking at the hip and uh, you start noticing that there is discomfort there when you're when you're stressing the hip when you're pushing on it Um, there are certain Mm. maneuvers that we have in in medicine that uh, put some stress on the hip like a patrick's test oh what's that so we put uh, forced internal rotation onto the hip to to sort of uh,
0: so with your hands no, we, no with we, your-
1: yeah we rotate the lower leg you rotate the lower, lower leg. lower okay. leg so that we can put a little bit of stress on the, uh, the yep. proximal part of the hip okay and putting it in, in into this maneuver helps uh us determine if there if there's pain within the hip joint itself um <laughs> There, there are other fancy maneuvers that we can do as well. That
0: is a fun. That is wild that you call it that because I, I fractured my pelvis when I was a kid, in a car accident, and I had cracked my acetabulum, and mm-hmm. that's where my sensitivity is, mm-hmm. and I know that if I do that maneuver,
1: it still hurts you.
0: It does. Yeah. It hurts me, but there's a way I can, actually pull my femur out of the acetabulum enough when you're doing that that it relieves uh, that it? Sure, pressure sure. but that's really interesting you say that I never knew it was called that
1: but for the for the first time patient wow. you know, when they're when they're having a, a newer issue this is uh this is what we try to do to to elicit we, we hmm. try to reproduce the pain in the office so that right. we have an idea of where to where to kind of go with this and uh we'll, we'll check the strength in the legs to make sure that they've got good uh, right. good muscle strength we'll check their sensations we'll check their reflexes uh, um, if it looks like it is a hip then we'll work it up. We'll get an x-ray of the hip mm. um, Sometimes patients have two issues, right? It could be a back problem And it could be a hip problem But one of them is causing them more grief than the other
0: the, and, and it could have compromised the back right by walking the way They walked maybe. Sure, right sure,
1: to some extent sure sure so again, you know listening to the patient and telling them for, Them telling us where their number one problem is if, if we can take away one pain today Which one <gasps> would it be
0: so so what do you do to treat the hip? Because that's a very different type of a treatment than what you do for the back, right?
1: True. Uh, we'll 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 institute some therapies first. Yeah. Uh, again, moving moving in a conservative fashion as, as Dr. Patel and I usually do. Uh, we'll we'll try physical therapy. We'll try to introduce some modalities over the hip. Uh, Deep tissue massage, mm-hmm. tens unit as we talked about earlier. Right. Um, strengthening the muscles around the hip joint.
0: Yeah, because what's the strength? Right, because you've got a core exercises are much different than you do for the back, but for the hip, how do you strengthen that?
1: Well, uh, we'll work on the hip flexors. Okay. Um, We'll work on some of the deeper uh, the, the ilio uh, ilio psoas muscles deep inside the pelvic area, uh, some of the hamstring muscles, uh, the internal all ex- the yeah, exercises I hate to the do the internal exercises yeah those
0: muscle. are hard they're hard
1: and th- they are they're tough they're tough but uh, that's that's ultimately the goal um, we may also have to introduce if the patient is amenable to them if they have no no contraindications we can introduce uh, anti inflammatories yeah uh, you know your ibuprofens your uh, naproxens these guys. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, it's very severe and we have to try using a steroid pack even Yeah. so that they can... Now, uh, what's that? So uh, a, a, a steroid dose pack... Um is just uh, uh, instituting us some um, oral steroids over the course of four okay. five days. It's a, okay. it's a tapering dose. It's not something that we want right. to keep the patient okay. Okay. Um, for a long period of time, but just just enough to kind of get them over, their, over the hump, over the edge so that their pain can get much better, and then hopefully they can participate in some more therapy. Uh, we'll get an x-ray. We'll see what the bone architecture looks like. Uh, is there mm-hmm. space between the head of the femur and the acetabulum? Is it narrowed? Where? Uh, a lot of the hip arthritis happens in the superior lateral portion right um, we may want to do an injection
0: mm-hmm. Right. my uh, the injections are done right in the joint itself
1: yes yes uh, Sometimes, if we're still unclear as to whether the problem is really emanating from the hip, we'll we'll do an injection under either ultrasound guidance or fluoroscopic guidance, okay. so we and we can introduce dye uh, into the joint and follow follow that with uh, a local anesthetic and also a steroid to help us determine if if the hip is actually the the pain generator the pain source and most times if it is the patient should get better fairly quickly.
0: How long is it? Yeah, really quickly. So how uh, long does that usually well, take to work?
1: The uh, the local anesthetic should start to work within a few minutes. Um, for lidocaine typically uh, anywhere from 30 seconds to 2 minutes. So
0: you know you're you're going to have a good effect when that starts, right? right. right? And then over the
1: coming days, that's the period of time when the steroids should do some good for the patient and uh, suppress inflammation within the joint uh, to the point where they, again, can restore function, go to therapy, uh, and have less pain than they originally had.
0: Do you ever notice that the patient may have some numbness to their foot if there's some nerve damage around the hip or is that usually generated from the back?
1: Most times, uh, you know, barring any uh, horrific trauma right. to the hip area, um, a lot of times if there's complaints of numbness from uh, in, in the leg or distance right. in the leg, you, we'll, we'll try to likely trace that back to the, back. To the to lower back. And then that, that may be a situation where, as we talked about earlier, where an EMG might come into play mm. to help us determine that if, if there's some uncertainty.
0: When are you concerned enough that to move towards an orthopedic consult with someone with the hip what is your red flag usually with the patient uh
1: part of it is the level of pain mm-hmm. you know is is this like a one to two out of ten pain or is this an, an eight or nine or ten out of ten pain number one uh and number two are they uh, able to to participate in, in uh, a therapy program. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, what do the x-ray findings look like? Is is there just a little bit of joint space narrowing and this is somebody who has maybe early arthritis and just has an inflammatory response or right. is it bone-on-bone arthritis Right. and they need something more uh, more invasive to be done? That's something a surgeon wouldn't be able to help us with.
0: How? How often do you usually have to do injections on a hip? How long do they usually last? Or it varies from person to person?
1: Uh, it varies from person to person. It also varies on what kind of steroid that we use. But uh, on, on average, if, if we get about three months or so uh, from a steroid injection, uh, that's pretty typical. And if, if we treat you know, ten patients, maybe seven or eight, or we'll, we'll get better. Right. And it's it's a matter of how much better they get, whether we're going to pursue another injection down the road, or say, all right, we we've tried everything we have to help you, and right. you're just not progressing. So right. And we'll then get, we'll, we'll get, get a consult, right? We'll get an opinion, just to make
0: lot. sure that the person is getting back the quality they want to get back with.
1: Exactly. You know.
0: Exactly. The the scary part about the hip surgeries, they only la- you know you, you do them too young. And they they don't last forever, right?
1: Yeah, you know, there's a it's it's basically an implant, so uh, it, there's a finite life on them. And probably a more more something an orthopedic surgeon would be able to better answer than, yeah. than me. But uh, there there is a finite life on a hip, so there there's a prime age when uh, a patient may want to consider undergoing uh, what's called a total hip arthroplasty. Or hip replacement surgery.
0: I did orthopedic nursing in when I first graduated school for a long time, and I can't tell you how many total hips we did. But the population back then that we generally saw were mm-hmm. your were your older population that fell. You know, usually an older woman.
1: Yeah, your fractures.
0: Yeah, you know, from from arthritis or what have you that would fall those fractures. You know, and what we did then is so different than what's done now. The changes that I see are incredible. But some of the processes still remain. Sure, some of the sure. processes That's still true. remain. We've had these conversations in recent <laughs> days on, on the care of certain patients, and it's interesting. But we didn't have pain management in our arsenal back then.
1: That's true. It's, uh,
0: I mean, I'm talking early 80s, early so 80s. I'm dating myself back. <laughs>
1: In, in terms of uh, you know, fields of medicine, it's probably one of the more recent uh, additions to, to, to the medical field. I mean, you know, years ago you had your, your surgeon, your internal medicine doctor, your pediatrician, and your OBGYN doc. What was a pain doctor? Right. <laughs> what do you do?
0: But you know, now you're actually managing the physical therapy aspect. Mm-hmm. And the um, physical medicine aspect of the patient that's, that's before where, they get to the surgical piece, if they need
1: absolutely. to. Absolutely, and that's that's where a physio- so That's where a physiatry background comes in to play, and we, I, we 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 really try to hold uh, strong to our roots. So we're right. physiatrists first, and mm-hmm. pain doctors second.
0: Yeah, it's so in, it's so it's such a it's such a broad. Such a broad um, range in medicine, and it's so interesting to me. You know, it's not a part of medicine when I was in nursing school that we really studied, way back when. You know, so true, as true. I've gotten older and I've learned more about it, and of course meeting Dr. Patel and all of our incredible. <laughs> pain. we have a lot of pain specialists in our area. We're very lucky. Um, you too have done training down at Yale yourself. So
1: I, I have. Uh, way back in the day, um, I was probably looking at going into the surgical field. So I did some training in in the vascular surgery department there. Yeah, but it's good
0: Uh, to know a lot of these different areas of medicine because they all connect.
1: They do. They do. They, you know, there is. we see patients with peripheral vascular disease. Right, absolutely. In our, in our office. So uh, I guess a little bit of background in that does help in, absolutely. in evaluations.
0: Before, um, when we were on the break, we talked a little bit about something that you do in the office now, too, regarding stimulators. And I think it's really interesting. So let's talk a little bit about what that is and how you use them.
1: So um, one, of the, one of the modalities or one of the options that we have for patients, um, for chronic pain patients, is something called uh, spinal cord stimulation and it's it's been around for several decades since about the 60s Uh, and it's gotten better and better as newer technologies come about and uh, it's become more uh, almost in a sense more mainstream we uh, a patient that we would typically offer this to would be somebody who has, has probably exhausted all other modalities of treatments. Um, they've oftentimes even had one or two or more back surgeries. Even. <sighs> Uh, we're working with a company right now, I don't really want to mention the name which mm-hmm. one, but uh, we have very good results uh, for patients with uh, both lower back and leg pain. So that's that's yeah. axial pain and that's also lower extremity pain. In the past, uh, spinal cord stimulation worked really well for patients with uh, you know the, the radicular pain, the leg pain, the sciatic pain, but it didn't really help so much the back pain. Uh, over the last couple of years, uh, the technology's kind of grown and expanded and, and got Gotten better with treating and and uh, getting to that lower back pain generator uh, to help patients with these uh difficulties these chronic pains uh, what happens with the spinal cord simulator again uh, you'll come in we'll do an evaluation uh, we'll assess you if if you have if you meet certain criteria for chronic back and or leg pain we'll uh we'll probably give you a a dvd or video to kind of review and uh, a little bit of an information packet that you can take a look at while you're at home or wherever and we'll bring you back in and we'll discuss it a little further if if you're interested in moving forward with it Uh, typically this is something we would do at a surgery center it may take anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes, sometimes an hour, depending on the complexity of the case. Uh, What what we do is uh, using x-ray guidance, fluoroscopic guidance, similar to an epidural, we'll gain access into the epidural space. Once so it's there.
0: not a back incision.
1: There, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah should, little, I should probably clarify yeah. that too, for you, too, uh, as well. Um, what I do as a pain doctor is we'll do a trial. We'll do a spinal cord stimulator trial. If that trial is successful, we'll then send the patient off to uh, a surgeon who can do a more, more permanent implantation. Okay. Okay. So uh while we're at a surgery center under x-ray guidance we'll uh introduce uh, a needle into the epidural space and we have certain techniques to find it once we're there we will through the needle Place a lead. Uh, okay. The lead will go from the lower back, uh, typically up into the mid-thoracic spine area. Once it's there, it does have certain contact points on it that will emit small electrical impulses onto the spinal cord. And the intention is to sort of block the pain pathways between uh, your brain, your spinal cord, and where the pain uh, source actually is. So we're not we're not you know surgically fixing the pain. We're actually changing the perception of pain.
0: Okay. And then. So, this is interesting. So, when you introduce this, is the patient awake so they can give you feedback?
1: Yes. Uh, typically. Because uh,
0: that's scary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> with the majority of what we do, um, I I prefer to have my patients awake so right. that they can give me feedback. If they if they're sedated and you know vital signs are monitored, of course, uh, it, it's hard to it's hard to gauge as to you know are, are we at the right spot
0: but how do they know because you've if they're getting the epidural don't they have a block anyway or no no no, no. no not
1: necessarily uh, okay. Typically, an, an epidural injection may take five or ten minutes okay and okay the, the most uncomfortable part of just an epidural injection is when we localize the skin uh, okay most patients have that they don't feel they much don't feel at all. A, yeah okay and, okay and that's that's the reason why we want to have them awake so that they can tell us if something may be potentially going wrong
0: so you put the lead in mm-hmm. And then you get their feedback. Uh,
1: that was the older technology. Okay. Uh, the newer technology, um, it, it's actually implanted into very specific levels. And okay. it's, it's a dual lead system. So we're talking about two leads. One one is Im, uh, implanted to a certain level. Another one goes to a level just below that Okay. so that we have adequate coverage for a very specific target area in the back. Um, the patient with the newer technology that i'm talking about uh won't usually feel anything it's it's considered paresthesia free in the old days they had a lot of buzzing sensations in their legs and uh along the pain path and we would have to do mapping and find these areas where where is where is the the source with this it's it's basically implanted at the same level for pretty much every patient and over the coming days we'll cycle them through separate programs uh, we'll work closely with the uh, the rep from the company, who will uh, cycle them through various programs and let us know how they're doing with each one of these. So,
0: uh, what are the programs typically like? What?
1: Well, they'll with the uh, the contact points on the leads. Yeah. They'll, they'll activate some of those, and some of them will be inactive, and then they'll cycle such that the ones that were inactive initially are now off, and they're going be And
0: trying. do they have to give feedback?
1: Over yeah, over the the course of a, a day, we'll always keep in contact with the patient and just ask them, how how are you doing, um, how's the back feeling, are you are you more functional? Can you can you stand up? Can wow. you walk? Can you wash dishes at the sink? Could you not do that before? Now you can do it. Uh, are you using less medicines? One of the goals That's of the huge. therapy is to also right. reduce the need for uh, kind of therapies. right And you know there are patients out there. Right. That are on quite high doses. And the
0: goal, yeah, and the, the goal, goal, is goal is to try to get people off. Thanks, Johnny. So, once, if you've identified that you're in the right spot, mm-hmm. and this does work for the patient. Then what happens?
1: So um, once the, uh, the the trial leads are implanted, we'll basically secure them to the back and send the patient home. Uh, we'll keep in contact with them day by day to see how they're progressing. I'll typically bring them back about five or s- sometimes even seven days into into the uh, into the therapy, and that's a that's a point in time where we're going to take the leads out because they can't stay in there for forever. Because now you have a portion of it that's internal and. Portion that's external, right. and then that's right. that's a communication to infection. the outside world. Source right. of infection. So uh, we'll bring them back. We'll we'll do what's called a lead pull. We'll take both these leads out, and we'll ask the patient how how did they do? Uh, was their function better? Could they sleep better? Did they use less medicines? Could they do their household chores? Right. Uh, could they uh, you know participate in whatever activity that they weren't able to do before?
0: That is so amazing. That's really amazing. And then so if this was something that's definitely a fix or a better level of functionality for the patient. Then you refer them. True. to, right? uh, to, to the uh, surgeon, a specialty
1: to, surgeon that would right. be able to to, to
0: implant, implant, and they would be there forever.
1: Yes, uh, right? they would do a would, permanent it implantation. It would be, be something called a permanent implantation for a spinal cord stimulator. Um, that. Uh, depending on the surgeon, it, it would typically involve an overnight stay. Right. Uh, but uh, many times the patients who have this therapy, they're, uh, they're so happy with it that they're, they'll go and have the surgery. Right,
0: and in. I mean, th- it's great to do this trial because they know what to expect they know it's worked for them versus someone undergoing a surgery that right, this or, may not be... Yeah, or
1: the outcome may be difficult right. to, to uh, quantify beforehand.
0: So they put then these leads in the exact same spot. Mm-hmm. So. They're in the same
1: spot. Yes, they're going to be at the same location so that uh, we can reproduce what the the degree of pain uh, relief and reduction that the patient had during the trial phase. Um, Not everybody's going to go to a permanent. um, It doesn't work for everybody, but the beauty of it it being a trial is that we can take it out. It's reversible.
0: It's reversible. And it's just so neat. It's just such a a new technology. Mm -hmm. Well, something that's been around a while, but definitely improved. It's
1: been around for decades already. Um,
0: And for those patients that have had multiple back surgeries, Mm -hmm. you know, I know that you would have to figure out if they were definitely a candidate, but for those that have exhausted everything else.
1: This this may be a viable. This option. This may
0: be yeah. a viable option. It's just so neat to know that there's there's constant education and and research going on to improve and develop these products. It's so awesome. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing it to us. I may have to have you back to talk about some of your cases to see how they've <laughs> I'd done. Be happy to. Definitely. So we are almost at the end of our program. So I don't want to uh, I I want don't want to be remiss. I want to give out um, your website again and where to find you. So this is Dr. Bowden. Warshaw, pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the third time. That's it's great. Pretty good. Third
0: time with charm. And he's at Interventional Spine and Sports Medicine Pain Specialist. Um, and the number there, 203-598-7246. And their website, ctspinedoc.com. And you can pull up all their information. And they, they would love for you to go on there and learn more about them. They do have two offices, one in Middlebury. They do have an office in Prospect too at 166 um, Waterbury Road Correct. in Prospect. So totally um, recommend that you go on their website and learn more about them. So we're thank you, Doc. Also
1: growing a uh, Farmington office. In Farmington, the, yeah, yeah. wow, you're really yeah, expanding. Yeah, we're expanding, we're heading up uh, 84. Heading,
0: heading up 84. <laughs> well, we're so happy to have you. Thank you so much for, for joining me tonight. Absolutely, Thanks. Thank you for being so flexible.
1: Thanks for having coming me,
0: uh, on a different night. So not thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank everyone out there for uh, listening to us um, in next week, next Friday. I will be on in the morning at the Barbara Davitt time slot at nine thirty to um, have on our spirit of women program. And it's going to be called the doctor will hear you now. And it's all things that you want your doctor to hear. Make sure that you talk about all your health care needs with your physician when you're with them. So it should be a really good show. we will have on one of our primary care physicians joining us, talking about what they want you to tell them. So they make sure they get that good history. So again, this is Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital. Please go on our website, stmh.org. And I'm happy you could join us. Have a great night and a great weekend. Take care.